Thank you, Jay, and good morning, Covenant College. I know you've said it three times already, but I was really hoping for this moment, so good morning. Thank you for humoring me with that. <laughs> so when Dr. Green first asked me to speak on why I am still a Christian, the first po thing that popped into my head was, oh, sure, I got this. I'll, I'll speak about apologetics. Uh, you see, my dad got me interested in studying apologetics early in high school. It's been kind of a, I won't call it a hobby, but a shared interest between the two of us. He'll read a book and then send it my way, and then I'll read a book and send it his way, and it's just a, a fun thing for us to talk about. Um, and, and while it's true that everything from textual criticism to some uh, historical evidence that, that supports scripture has bolstered my confidence in my faith, I almost immediately realized, yeah, that's, that's really not it. That's not why I'm still a Christian. And to help you understand my thought process here, I'm going to tell you a short story about a student that I had at Westminster. Um, she was... She was a difficult student. Um, before I even knew her, I knew her by reputation. She was, she was abrasive. She would intentionally throw out controversial things just to start an argument. Um, and she was outspokenly anti-Christian. In a Christian school, she was really kind of intentionally pushing people away. So this student, we'll call her Rachel, um, ends up in my class her junior year in physics. And uh, as luck would have it, she was really excited to learn physics. <laughs> um, and so when she started to struggle, I, I think it was ramp problems. Some of my physics students, can, can, you, can you relate here? I think it was right around ramp problems that uh, she started to struggle a little bit. And so I invited her to come in after school for some help. And um, she was a bright girl. As we worked together, she was, she was doing really well. I encouraged her, and she began to trust me. And as we developed a trusting relationship, she opened up, and I learned a lot more about why she was the way that she was. You see, she had suffered a long history of abuse, um, both sexual and emotional, and um, for things that we don't need to get into, it had left long-lasting um, issues, both, both mentally and, and with her physical health. Um, she was mad at God. She was mad at the world, um, and she was defensive because she really felt like it was her against the world. So as we developed this relationship, I remember we, we um, had coffee one day. We met up at Starbucks, and we were just talking, um, and she asked me, she, she looked at me straight in the eyes, and she said, Doc, how can you believe in a good God who would allow these things to happen to me? Doc, how can you believe in a good God that would make me this way? You can hear the self-hate dripping from those comments, and it broke my heart. But it was then that I realized that no amount of apologetic arguments or historical proof was going to be the answer that she needed to hear at that moment. She asked me how I could believe in this good, good God. And so I told her my story. I told her my experience with that God. And so when you ask me today, why am I still a Christian? Well, I'm going to tell you my story. Now I'm warning you, it's not a good story. Like, no one is lining up for the movie rights on this one. In fact, it's probably going to sound pretty familiar to many of your stories. And that's okay. 
because I also want you to realize that you have a story, a story that gives you something solid to hold on to when times get tough, and a story that you can share with others to give them hope. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for my story. I thank, that you have been, I thank you that you have been present in my life in a real and tangible way, and I thank you for this opportunity to share it. I pray that, that you would just be present with us now as I share this story, and that, that you would call to mind experiences in these students' lives, that they would remember those times that you have been physically and tangibly present in their lives, that they would give something solid to hold on to when times get tough and the ability to speak into the lives of others. And it is in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. So, as I said, it wasn't a good story. Um, I started off, like many of you, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, the probably most traumatic thing that ever happened to me was that my sister was perfect. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say, most of you are probably thinking no one's perfect, but I bet there's a bunch of siblings out there that can relate to me. You know that feeling of, I can never live up to that. Um, but that was really, I just tell you that to realize that I lived a totally normal life, um, and that middle school was tough. And again, that wasn't unique. Middle school is tough for everyone. We could psychoanalyze middle school and all of the changes that are going on and why middle school is so terrible for most of us. But, but in reality, what I want to start with is that time in seventh grade when I was sitting on the floor of my bedroom, knees curled up against my chest, crying because I felt so desperately and totally and utterly alone. Now, I don't know what triggered this. Maybe it was just normal middle school drama. Maybe I had to have a falling out with a friend. I really don't know. I just remember this sense of feeling utterly alone. And I'm sure I cried out to God, but I don't remember what I said. All I remember is that I felt a hand on my shoulder as if somebody had come up next to me and kind of given me a side hug. Now, it was so real that I turned expecting to see, maybe in my little girl wishful thinking, that it was my dad who had come in to check on me. I was definitely daddy's little girl, so the idea that daddy was coming in to check on me was a great thing. But there was no one there. But even realizing that there was no one there, this sense of a presence was so real. And, and I realized, it, I can't explain it, I did not hear a voice, but it was as if I did, I knew that my God was present with me. It was as if I heard him say, it's okay, Linnell. You're not alone. You'll never be alone, and I'll always be with you. And so why am I still a Christian? Because my God sees me. He sees me in my loneliness, in my despair. Now, my middle school self would not have pulled out this verse from Genesis, but in retrospect, it makes me think of Hagar in the wilderness. She was dealing a lot with, with a lot more than middle school drama. She'd just been kicked out of the only home she knew. She was sent into the wilderness alone and pregnant, and yet God saw her and met her there. And so I'm reminded as she called him the one who sees me, that my God sees me, 
and he sees you in all of your circumstances. Now, fast forward about 10 years, I'm, I'm in graduate school now, and I had just finished up writing a grant. Um, it was due the next day. This is before electronic submissions, so all of the copies had to be made and collated and original signatures and everything put together in a package so it could be postmarked the next day. So I'm leaving school at about 2 o'clock in the morning, and mind you, University of Miami's medical campus is not in the nicest of areas. Um, most medical campuses are not in the nicest of areas. So we had a system in place where we could call a security guard uh, as an escort. But this is before apps and cell phones, and so you actually had to go downstairs and ask the security guard at the lobby to call an escort for you. So I'm standing in the lobby of my office waiting for a, a security guard to come, and this gentleman, the, the security guard on duty, starts a conversation with me. Now, mind you, I'm incredibly introverted, so I'm like staring at my shoes, like hoping nobody talks to me. But he says, I notice you're wearing a cross. I said, yeah. Um, do you go to church? And so he and I started comparing notes on churches. We're from completely different parts of Miami, so I have no idea where he goes to church. But he mentions to me that he sings in the choir. I said, oh, I used to sing in the choir, but ever since graduate school, I've just, I've just been way too busy. I mean, look at me. I'm here at 2 o'clock in the morning. My time is too unpredictable. Now, mind you, how insensitive is that really? I'm talking to a man who's at work at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but this did not dawn on me. So this gentleman, I'll never forget him. I don't know his name. I don't know that I ever saw him again. But he says to me, if it's important to you, you'll find the time. Not you'll make the time. You'll find the time. Once again, such a simple comment. It wasn't preachy. It wasn't judgmental. It was just that statement. But it was so convicting to me at that moment. I recognized that I was putting my education, my career as my top priority and I was putting God on a second shelf. I joined the choir the next week, by the way. <laughs> Got plugged into that church in a way that I hadn't been before. Um, developed many mentoring relationships, all because that man had reminded me of my priorities. And so, why am I still a Christian? Because my, my God calls me back to himself. He didn't leave me where I was, going off in the wrong direction. He used the comments of that security guard to bring me back. And here I can't help thinking about Jesus sitting on the banks of Galilee with Peter post-resurrection. Peter had just denied Jesus three times. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Feed my lambs. See, Peter, yeah, you messed up. You denied me. I told you you would. But I need you. I, need to, I want to use you to build my church. I'm not done with you yet. And so, yeah, Linnell, you messed up. You were going the wrong way. You were putting your priorities in the wrong order. But I'm not done with you yet. And he calls us back to ourselves, to, to himself. We have a Jesus who saves, who redeems, and who, and who calls us back. So about five years later, I'm finishing up my PhD. It was a long road. I'm finishing up my PhD. I've done, finished the experimentation. I've lined up this great postdoc at Stanford. Up-and-coming researcher, uh, really well published. He's got great grants. Um, 
his work on protein folding lined perfectly with what I had been doing for, for graduate school. I mean, this was going to launch my career until he found out I was pregnant and he stopped returning my emails. Now, before you think, oh, that's so not fair, really, in reality, my husband and I should have come to this conclusion long before this door closed on us by somebody else's means. We were thinking and planning on moving to the other side of the country, to a place with the highest cost of living, like probably on the planet, with little to no money. <laughs> we're like, oh, we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out. Like, who was gonna pick the kid up from daycare if we were both working 100-hour weeks? We'll figure it out. And so when this door closed, I recognized that God was redirecting me. But it left me in a conundrum, like, where now? <laughs> I had invested everything up until this point and going into research. It had been my passion since I was in 10th grade. So now what? So I prayed a lot. <laughs> I remember I had a very long commute. It was about an hour commute to school and about an hour commute home from school, and so I was praying a lot in the car. God, what is it that you're directing me to do? Where should I go from here? You gave me this passion for science. How do you want me to use it? Now, meanwhile, my husband is nudging me, going, why don't you go into teaching? I'm like, are you kidding? I've heard what these high school students do to their teachers. I'm not doing, and in Miami, of all places, where they speak Spanish and I don't, no. But then one night I'm at church. Remember, I told you I got plugged in at church, and now I'm on a committee. So I'm at a committee meeting, and my pastor asks me to go make some copies. So I run into the office. I go, and I make copies. And of course, what do you do while you're making copies? You look at the bulletin board that's above the coffee machine. So you look at the bulletin board, and there's a flyer that says Westminster Christian School is hiring a biology and chemistry teacher. Now, I can't explain it. It's not like the first suggestion that I should go into teaching, but when I saw that flyer, it was so clear to me that this was an answer to my prayer. It wasn't, oh, you should go into teaching. It was, Linnell, go here. And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you I looked up and I said, I hear you, God. So I applied at Westminster. They hired me on the spot, um, gave me five days to make the decision. By the way, I worked at Westminster for 20 years. I was department head for most of that time. I conducted, I don't know how many interviews. We never hired anybody on the spot, and we never gave them five days to make their decision. I'm pretty sure God was afraid I was going to change my mind. Like, don't give her time to rethink this. She's going here. So why am I still a Christian? Because God directs my path. In Psalm 32, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Listen to those words. That's a promise. That's not a suggestion or an oh, maybe if. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. God led me and directed me when I was completely unsure of what were the next steps. He laid it before me. Granted, that doesn't always happen the day you ask. It took a little while, but he directed me. And he has ever since. I think I have time for, for one more story. Doing pretty well here. 
So there are so many ways, so many stories I could share for this particular point, but the one I'll choose is about five years into teaching. Um, so now I've got uh, two little kids. Um, I had started a Bible study once again. God found the time. Um, God is the God of time. That's something I've learned over the years, that when I think I don't have the time for this, don't forget that God is the God of time. If he wants you to do it, there's time for it. <laughs> so somehow I'm in this Bible study. I'd actually been leading the middle school um, group for, for about a year. So I'd been in leadership in this Bible study for a year. And the, the leader approached me and asked me to pray about being a substitute teaching leader. Now, and a substitute teaching leader doesn't just teach, we teach occasionally, but more of it is the training and the shepherding of the other leaders. And I'm thinking, how on earth, I've been in leadership for one year, how can I lead others? How can I shepherd these women who've been in leadership for 20 years? They know way more than I do. Why would God call me to this position? And so I told my leader, I said, I am, I'm just totally unqualified. I'm inadequate for this position. And what she told me was so important. She said, our inadequacy is so often the only qualification that God needs to use us. Because you see, when we feel qualified, we think we got this, and we become self-sufficient, and we don't rely on God. But when we recognize that we so can't do this on our own, well, then we fully depend on him. And so as I stepped into that position and I found that God used me in amazing ways and no leader ever looked at me and said, you don't belong here, God was able to use me in so many ways. I remember having a conversation with my area personnel uh, about halfway through that year, uh, so the, kind of the director of the, whole, of the whole area. And she was just kind of checking up on me. She's like, so how is it going? And I said, well, it's funny. Um, Gail, my, my leader, usually describes this situation of you're, you're in a boat and you're trying to paddle in the wrong direction. And it would just be so much easier if you take the paddles in and, and go along with the current. And, and Jesus will just take you. Is it, for me, it's not really like a boat. It's more like a roller coaster, right? You're so not in control, you just throw up your hands and enjoy the ride. And so I want to encourage you that, well, I don't think I shared my last verse, did I? Sorry, i got to click the button. So why am I still a Christian? Because God equips me. And so our verse, my, the verse from Hebrews 13, and sorry, I don't want to turn around and read it, so I'll read it from here. May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. May the God of peace equip you for everything good. Now, once again, this is coming from, well, we're not sure who the, the author of Hebrews is. I don't think we can talk to the Bible scholars, but he was either an apostle or a disciple of one of those apostles. This is someone who had been, talk about out of your comfort zone. <laughs> like, go, share the gospel with this brand new faith, bring it to others. Talk about out of your comfort zone. When we step out of our comfort zone, he had personal experience with 
May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And so I'd like to encourage you today, as you think about your own stories, that our God is a God who sees you. He sees you in whatever moment you're in in your life right now. Our God is a God who calls you back. Have, have you made mistakes? Have you wandered away? Have you put your priorities in the wrong place? Yeah, we all have. But Jesus does not give up on us. Jesus calls us back to himself. Are you wondering what to do next? <laughs> do you wonder if you're in the right major, should you make change majors? Where are you going after you graduate? Well, God directs our steps. Leave it in his hands, and he will open those doors that need to be opened and close those doors that need to be closed. And finally, do you wonder if you're good enough? God equips you for everything good that he needs us to do. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, you are so, so good. I thank you so much that you have brought us to a place where we can glorify you in all that we do, that we can rely on you to lead us, that we can trust in you to call us back when we make mistakes, that we can follow in your ways, knowing and trusting that you will direct our steps and that you will give us everything that we need to accomplish your will in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.